Good morning and welcome to the story behind our success. I am Rebecca Rouse, your host and head lizard at Neon Lizard Creative Marketing and Design, where we build foundational brands with social impact. Find us on the web at neonlizardcreative.com. Let's get started. Good morning and welcome to Secret Behind Our Success. I am your host, Rebecca Rausch, head lizard at Neon Lizard Creative Marketing and Design, where we build foundational brands with social impact. Find us on the web at neonlizardcreative.com. Today, I am beyond jazz to present to you the man, the legend, the genie who can make your business fantasies come true, Joe Sinkwitz, co-founder and CEO at IntelliFluence in sunny Scottsdale, Arizona. Welcome. Hey, thank you for having me today, Rebecca. What's the weather like down there today? It's warm as it is every single July. Very warm. <laughs> I actually used to live in Arizona for about 10 years. I loved it. Oh, wow. And, and now I'm in Minnesota. <laughs> well, so, I mean, how do lizards survive in Minnesota? Uh, it's not really all that easy, but my skin is definitely thickened <laughs> for sure. But I do miss Arizona. I had a great time with there. Um, so when I was stalking you like we talked about earlier and trying to learn all about you so I could share you with uh, our audience. You mentioned having a co-founder, mm-hmm. but I never heard a name to that. Can yeah. you enlighten me? Absolutely. Terry Godier. He's he's on our about page. Uh, so Terry and I were kicking around the idea of doing something together in 2016. Mm-hmm. I had been recruited to be a CMO of a, uh, a consumer packaged goods company out in Hollywood. And the Mm -hmm. idea initially when, when I got pulled in was I was going to bring Terry on board, you know, have him on my uh, line items and we're going to do something really cool. We just could never get it to work within the the structure of the organization. At that time we were kicking back and forth charts like, Hey, look at this influencer marketing is going up and to the right. He is more of a, a marketer with strong development skills and I'm more mm-hmm. of a marketer with stronger marketing skills, lesser development. So we had some overlap, but we decided, hey, um, you be the marketer, you be the developer, and let's just put something together. So we did. And we did that in the summer of 2016. And we just started pushing mm-hmm. it. Uh, we launched a version. It failed miserably. We learned from our failures. Oh, no. Made it better. Yeah, so, um, so Terry was with us uh, until... Late 2017, he needed to to go and, and get another job. And so we provided like a really nice exit. Uh, we wanted to keep him uh, on the cap table. So he still has a piece because we want him. If we ever hit it really, really big, I want him to have a piece of that. You know, he, he deserves that. Right. So um, so definitely right now he's a, an advisor to to the company. Well, I was, I was really impressed with that. As I was telling you, I went ahead and signed up as an influencer. I was so excited because I didn't know just... Little people, anybody could be an influencer on your thing. I love that, that, you know, everyone is an influencer. No matter who you are, you influence people around you. So I love that concept because I'm a big believer in that with branding and making sure that, you know, you influence people and you lead people within your brand. Um, so I was impressed by the the fluidity, fluidity, that's it, fluidity of the website itself and how easy it was to use and how easy it was to sign up and how clear and um, your marketing on that was fantastic because it was very, very clear. Um, what is your goal? How many influencers, what are, 
what's your end goal for this puppy? Yeah. So I mean, the end goal can shift a lot depending on the day. Right. Um, I yeah. think like when, well, we, when, when we started this, you know, my idea was to try to democratize influence. And in order to do that, you definitely do have to uh, allow for some growth on very low levels of influence. People that have one follower are still influential to that one person and given the right. mechanisms to, to try to in, improve and grow and like make you know money out of this thing. So our end goal is to get to the point where anyone could purchase the influence of anyone else. That's a really far reaching goal. That's like Microsoft computer on every you know table sort of goal. So I, I don't know how far off that is. I just know that that's the, that's the end that I have in mind. And every day our goal is to just try to improve some aspect of the company uh, by at least a percent, you know, whether it's the, the size of the network, whether it's, you know, reducing some friction in the signup process or some element within the campaign process, just try to make things a little bit better in aggregate, it snowballs and it becomes a much better, you know, product and company a year out. It's this uh, almost like target marketing on steroids, right? It in is. a way. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Now you were a programmer originally. Right. A long time ago. Yes. I'm, I'm married to a Java programmer and that guy has no creativity. How in the world did you get doing this from that? Maybe because I was a bad programmer. No, I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I developed tax software, which is not the most exciting thing in the world. No. And it, it was just one of those things where you could you could be analytical and then you could step out of that and then have some dreams. And that's really all it is about. But I, I certainly can't take credit for you know everything. We we have you know eight people full time. We have a couple part time. So we have really good design. We have really good product people that understand what what the consumer wants, whether it's the influencer or the brand. So everyone's pulling a lot of weight, and so I'm just trying to you know make sure everyone's happy. That's my goal. <laughs> That's my job. Well, I was excited just when I was reading your uh, thing on LinkedIn, and you have all these. Uh, little tongue-in-cheek coding comments in there. So if anybody's out there listening, uh, go check out his his LinkedIn profile because I was so excited that I understood what it meant when you said comment out, but you use the terminology and coding. Yeah. I was like, I know what that means. <laughs> so that is so cool. Now, you've got specialties in SEO, SEM, SMM, Influencer marketing, affiliate network development. How is that different than the influencer marketing? Well, I think mean, so in the affiliate world that I really cut my teeth in. So I got into that world the same time as SEO. So that was in the, the late 90s. I was still in school. Uh, a doctor needed a new website. And you know, at the time, I thought I was a programmer. So I'm like, sure, let's do a website. Building it. And I got pushed into marketing because he needed to figure out how to sell stuff on his site, too. It was at that time, it was Alta Vista. And so uh, learn how to sell Viagra on Alta Vista. From there, once oh. you're in that world, they don't let you out of that world. So you start making connections <laughs> with other people that are buying and selling traffic. Uh, I ended up in the, the subprime financial space in, in a large capacity, insurance, that world. So that was all the affiliate development and, and, and building up sites. So we built up a portfolio of 5,000 or so sites. We got to about 10 million revenue a year. And so we were just sort of cranking. We had our own little machine going until um, April 24th, 2012, when the Penguin algorithm from Google just really wiped us out. And it really helped me to, to recognize the weaknesses that we had in that particular venture where we were completely over levered, where we were spending you know, half a million a month in just links 
and it was rented link. So if you ever stop paying, they go away. And you just start to see the, the weaknesses. And so I never wanted to recreate those weaknesses. I wanted to fortify my next venture, which was IntelliFluence, uh, to prevent that from ever happening again. Wow. So now you did a little bit of that black hat SEO and people don't get that confused with the other black hat. So do you want to define the difference there? I do actually. Uh, I, I've, I've spoken about it a lot. And the way that I like to say is a black hat versus white hat. All it really means is a terms of service, whether you agree um, with the, the terms of service as it's laid out in terms of being the rules of the system, or you recognize what the true rules of the system are, regardless of whether they say it works. And so with Google, Google's very, very good. Their, their primary uh, engineering, I think, is their public relations. They know how to spin things just right. So, you know, they like to conflate uh, people that will get links to promote a site as spam. And then they try to conflate spam to malware or to hacking. Black Hat SEO is not hacking. You know, just get that out of it's more your head. It's, what? Is it more like loopholes, legal I, I, loopholes that you're I mean, able to work legal with? Legal loopholes is, is a great way to look at it. I just look at it in terms of like a system. Uh, it's You're looking at a ranking algorithm. So all you're looking to do is saying, which variable are they actually putting weight on? Is it uh, more on the, the repeat user signaling? Is it more on mm-hmm. the links today? Is it, you know, did something happen with anchor text? Did something happen with, you know, the overall size document, how it's pulling? Is it going to be related to the, the layout shifting? There's, there's so many variables, right? And so you're just trying to figure out what's really happening versus what they say is happening. Ah, so you're uh, kind of a detective. And back in the day, I, that's not an yeah. inaccurate way to sort of look at it. So no, there's a lot of it. it Sherlock, a lot you're a digital Sherlock Holmes. Oh, no, I don't know about that. <laughs> but, you know, back in the day, it, the information, it was a lot It was a lot freer in terms of we, we'd share information oh, yeah. a bit in like the SEO book forum. That was a great place to, to do that. Um, since then, that it's sort of changed. A lot of the, a lot of everyone kind of went in house and did their own thing. So a lot of that world has has disappeared in the last ten years, unfortunately. Mm. Now you love to educate people. I saw that you were on Learning Hub, and that you write articles a lot for in about VR, AR, AI, all sorts of good stuff. It looks like. Um, are you still doing that? I am. So the. The reasoning for that is I'm I'm sort of dog fooding what I what I try to pitch, where <laughs> in terms of with, when I was a well respected SEO, but when I got in the influencer world, no one really knew who I was. The only way to really put my name out there was to write a book, so I did. So I sat down. We we took a little over a year to put it together, and then almost as long to edit the dang thing. And so it got us live. the The articles on like AR VR, what we're doing there is. I was challenged, try to use influencers in every single medium. Can you do it? And the answer is, yeah, you really can. If you sit down and you think about, could you use influencers as a concept within skywriting? Certainly. You could use like local celebrity sort of influence to try to push people to a particular restaurant. there's, There's ways to do it. And so that's where the ARVR came out where I was, I was trying to think about how you would go about utilizing influence within the channel. Well, the name of your book is The Ultimate Guide to Influencer Marketing. You can find it on Amazon. And I was excited to see that and wondering about your process in that. I'm in the middle of writing one right now myself. And it's it's overwhelming because I'm, I'm drafting it. And it's like, oh, no, I got to redo it. I got to redo it. That, I'm curious to see how long it takes. But 
It's impressive. Yeah. It's a nice book. It's a nice looking book. It's uh, so my, my process is not the Stephen King process where he'll just sit down and he can crank out <laughs> 10 pages. No problem. My process uh-huh. was I needed to, to outline the various chapters that I knew I needed to cover because I mm-hmm. knew I needed to cover certain steps. And then I would just make a really de- detailed blog post and mm-hmm. I get feedback on the blog post and uh, the feedback would inform clever. the chapter in the book. So we did sort of piecemeal over time. That's actually a brilliant way of doing that. I might have to, I might have to steal that idea. <laughs> Please do. I'm sure I'm not the first one to do that. Now, in a way, like in branding, we're so big on testimonials. And what's the difference between that and influencer marketing? Can you define that for me? I'd say that they're actually, it, it's a component of it. So testimonials, so long as it's an honest mm-hmm. testimonial, absolutely. It, you know, that, mm-hmm. that individual is, is using their influence as either, uh, you know, an expert or as a peer uh, to an audience mm-hmm. coming in. That's their influence. And so that testimonial passes the muster. You had um, a series of the kinds of influencers, the categories. Mm-hmm. Would you like to define those? Well, I mean, I like to bucket them into three types. So I look mm-hmm. at it in terms of aspirational, which is the celebrity. Everyone knows. Tony Robbins? Name. Sure, Tony Robbins would probably be in that for the business side of things, but not. Mm-hmm. It's a, like, so he's actually a, kind of in two buckets. I put Tony in celebrity aspirational influence, but I'd also put him in authoritative. Because people will look up to him for a very specific subject matter, usually like a business process, overcoming fear, doubt, et cetera. So, you know, he, he could be in that. Authoritative, it just means that you're, you're viewed as an expert in some field. It could be a very small field, but you, you're still an expert. And then peer is really the powerful one. That's your neighbors, your, your friends, your family. You know, that's, that's where the signal has a lot of strength. You don't really ever want to rely on a single type of influence, like you can create a compulsion loop by getting people aware of a product via like celebrity influence, and then have that being affirmed by experts saying, yes, yes, this celebrity is correct. And then it's <laughs> dogpiling, having all your friends and family also saying, yeah, I bought the product too. You start to feel left yes. out. It's the, it's the keeping up with the Joneses thing. Well, I was when I was reading that, like you were talking about the micro influencers that you know the peer and the micro influencers that are smaller, and it made me think of a book that I read one time on the. It's called The Fallacy Detective. You ever you ever read that? It's it's a kid's book teaching them about fallacy, and I read it to my kids. And I if don't read it to your kids, they can argue you to the ground (laughs) after you. Perfect. (laughs) It is a great book, and it's a really fun read, Um, but you know, they twisted words and, and made intentional fallacy in order to include influence people to do things. And that's what it's about is how people use fallacy to, to manipulate others, not necessarily in a negative way. They don't mean to do it a lot of times. So what makes an influencer go from a relevant, interesting person to someone being followed like the Beatles without engaging in a bunch of fallacy? Ooh, boy. Uh, usually I think the biggest thing is just competence in execution. Uh, so an influencer, let's say it's an everyday cosmetic influencer. If, mm-hmm. if he or she were to want to become the influencer for that, they need to hyper-specialize. So become the very best at brows or the very best at brow tweaking, whatever that subsection of a subsection of a subsection is. If they're always putting out really detailed, comprehensive, intelligent work on that subject, they will absolutely be found. Because brands will reach out to them. Everyone starts to reach out to them. Once they become known for that, it's, it's the concept of 
uh, in technology, you want to specialize and then become a generalist. Like most CTOs are generalists. They, they specialize at one point in their career, but after a certain point, you, you can't be an expert in everything. So you these sort of hyper-specialize, go up the chain, and then you can spread out. And so that's how an influencer might start in you know, a very, very specific brown tweak, whatever, and then become a top cosmetic followed by a bunch of people that are really into cosmetics. Okay. Maybe not the Beatles, everyone... but they don't, yeah. have to, they don't have to lie about it. A lot of people are doing the niche um, focus now with their businesses and just planning on, okay, I'm just going to be this kind of in the design world, everybody's doing that. Mm-hmm. We don't do that. We're kind of all over the place in the sense that we like to do the whole brand and we don't really care what um, industry they're in. We just want to go in and be this service to them, right? But I've seen so many of other agencies niche down like that. Would you say that that is the best way to grow your influence as an agency or as a as a service business, service-based business? I think it depends on the talent, right? So if you have a talent that's able to to tackle a variety of topics, then you can become kind of the agency of record. And so you can handle multiple things. Mm-hmm. What I like about the, the hyper-specialization is I mean, we've had a lot of conversations with uh, PE firms recently, and they're always looking for a company that fits a very specific need that they could bolt on to a bigger, larger product and process. So those agencies that are very hyper-specialized they're probably going to have an exit and they might be able to have a good, uh, you know, multiple on the revenue for the book. Uh, I usually it was in, in three to five on agencies that they, that they sell for usually the, the book of business, uh, the multiple. So there's, you, you can play it both ways. Like um, uh, with, with the agency we have, we're very, very specialized. We, we only really like to do a certain type of SEO work. We don't really like to go beyond that because we don't want to get stuck doing audits We'd rather just go in and do the ORM or the really dirty penalty process cleanup. Um, but some agencies love to take it all. And it's just, I think it's up to the team. For the listeners, will you define ORM? Oh, certainly. Online reputation management. Uh, I those acronyms. Not everybody knows them. Yeah. Usually it's, it's one rich person that's in a fight with another rich person and you're the digital arms dealer. <laughs> all right. Now, I wanted to find out one one particular thing, and then I want to kind of pull off a business a little bit and just learn more about you as a person. But if you said that there was like one pivotal thing in your life that changed everything, that's not the penguin event, that made you grow to who you are today, that you feel from a like like a something you said to yourself or an ex- experience that changed your perspective on this is this is how I'm going to do business now. This is how I'm going to move forward in life. I mean, I, I always sort of viewed it as a, as Forrest Gumping my way forward. But if, if I had to go back to a particular point, it was probably taking an interview at KPMG and sitting down with Eric Kaufman, who ended up becoming my boss and then became my friend. And now he, he he's the head of our product here at the company. So what? I think it was just, the, the random encounter and cultivating that particular relationship, which led to a stream of things down that I never could have predicted. Isn't that crazy? Uh, what life's going to bring you. What about a mantra? Do you have anything that you say to yourself that kind of when things get rough uh, that you would not, suggest to someone coming up behind you? Boy, so I, I never, I, I tried to do the mantra thing a long time ago. I, really, I think, 
the big thing I try to do is just uh, the daily grind. You know, there's the dirty work that has to be done every single day. I just try to get it done, you know, try to get it done as early in the day as I possibly can. And if I do that, maybe the rest of the day won't suck. And so just, I think there's a book on that called Eat the Frog. You know, it's that, you know, I'm very familiar with the Eat the Frog, you know, the Buddhist concept, you know, <laughs> eat that slimy frog and the rest of your day is basically golden, right? So right. It, it's, the, it's not a bad concept, but it's not a really a mantra I have. It's just a, a philosophy I try to, you know, espouse. Well, you're, you're disciplined on many levels, though. I mean, the running while you're working or well, walking it's, it's while you're working. Right <laughs> Is it? Um, yeah. Thank you. Otherwise, you'd be bouncing. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah that's that's really a fascinating thing. And, and I loved, I uh, was watching one of your uh, podcasts with someone else or uh, television appearances. And they were you were talking about digitally walking your way to Munich. Oh, yeah. And I w- and so one of my questions for you, I thought that was really cool that you were measuring your miles as long as it would take you to get to there. I thought that was just a brilliant way of uh, promoting that. But at the same time, I thought, I wonder how many miles he's walked in his life. Has he, if he's ever just really sat down and wrote no. that out? No. like it, we've it been really multiple treadmills, I hear. Oh, so many. Um, so the the extraputic, I really like that model. I, I, I wish they'd bring it back because it had a, like a little bit of an incline you could do. Um, so that was really my first jump into doing the treadmill stuff. And at the time, like I was trying to overcome, you know, I got depressed after Penguin. Like it wiped me out to the point where it was like oh, I, I was bet. close to retiring and all of a sudden I got to get a job. But um, so the, I think I made it to like somewhere in the mid-Atlantic on that particular push. Like, yeah. you know, when you do the miles, and I didn't make it all the way one push. When you think about how much you walk every day. That was a lot. I mean, that was so much back then. So like now I'm probably only walking three to five miles a day. And then we do the, the, the metabolic training later in the, in the day for weights at speed. But the, at that time, like we were doing like a marathon every day, like my feet were starting to bleed. So it's like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to do this long term. This is sort of just a, I set a goal. I'm going to do the damn goal. And then. You know, once once uh, Munich came and went, it was like, okay, I'm good, I'm done. <laughs> well, some of your people should have sent you new shoes. Oh, some of your... yeah, that would have been nice. Uh, you know, it, yeah, I would have you should have, you should announce that. Yeah. <laughs> and I love the idea that you are uh, uh, self-deprecating in the sense of you don't care if you wear um, costumes and things like that to get your point across. I thought that was a lot of fun too. You just got all sorts of fun things going on. You had Santa, and what else have you d- dressed up as? Well, I mean, the, the penguin, I think, kind of kicked it off. Uh, Santa, I did Snape. Yeah. Uh, I had to do a conference in London, so I dressed up as Severus Snape. That uh, was a lot of fun. Baymax, if you've ever seen Big Hero 6, um, yeah. it's like an inflatable robot. So we, I bought uh-huh. this rather expensive inflatable robot. has two fan units, and I presented it at a conference. Disney liked it so much that I got to go and do the, the presentation at Disney, and so the kids got to go on rides for the day. They loved it. That was their favorite oh, trip. Wow. Fun. Yeah, and you have two boys, is that right? Uh, so it's I have a boy and two girls. Yeah, a boy and two girls. I didn't realize you had three. That's awesome. So that was all three of them on your Facebook page, then I guess, and your in the little they yeah. you're yeah, riding some them. wagon or something. Yeah, that's so cute. I love kids. I've got four kids myself, so oh, mine are mostly grown <laughs> and still at home. I don't know if they're ever going to leave. <laughs> But let's see, I had also, let me think, I want to make sure that I've covered everything that I wanted to cover with you because I just found you so fascinating and I think everybody else will too. Um, Let me see. 
All right, no, I'm not gonna do that one. Okay, the future of youth and influencer marketing. When I think of my kids and how much they watch YouTube and how much they watch all these different things, when you're doing the influencer marketing, you're primarily working with adults, correct? For the most part, yes. I mean, while we'll, we'll allow at 13 years old, but they have to have parental permission. And like, really, we prefer 18 and over. Right. And what do you think the, the path forward is going to be? What's going to happen in 2030? What do you think is going to happen between now and then regarding influencer marketing? And, and how do you think that will evolve? So I, I think the, the concept will always be here. I mean, because if you think about it, it's, it's word of mouth. And then word of mouth. Digital trans- word of mouth. Exactly. And then it goes into a digital channels. I think the channels themselves may change. As, as we look at like adoption. So TikTok growing very, very fast. There's still some, there's a decent amount of overlap with Instagram. And I, I recently researched this for a, an article. I noticed that this sort of pulling away at Instagram. Instagram's getting older. As they're getting older, they're making more money because the share of wallet goes up. It's it's older millennials now and a little bit of Gen, uh, Gen, Gen Z. Um, now with Instagram, I'm sorry, uh, with TikTok, it's kind of the reverse. There's some millennial, but it's a lot more Gen Z where they don't have as many jobs. You know, they're, they're not old enough yet to be, you know, out of the house and doing all that stuff. So I think it's sort of like as the, the channel gets adopted by the youth, then it gets adopted by older you know, populations. And then the youth doesn't want to be there because the old people are there and they jump onto the next one. Like I'm not on TikTok daily. That's uh, it's not for me. It's totally cool. I'll, I'll look at like compilation videos on YouTube or my oldest daughter will send me funny stuff. And no, that's cool. But like, there'll be another channel and another channel and another channel. Think, think about it. Like, you know, when, when MySpace was getting big, you know, the people that were really big in MySpace, they're on Facebook now. They're, they're really not on TikTok. They're not on whatever's next. Okay. Well, which platform do you think is the most influential? I think it's on the subject matter basis. Uh, I think with with various elections, it's hard to discount how influential Twitter was. Um, like it's become just such an incredible broadcast mechanism that I think is still really woefully underfunded and undervalued. You know, the 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 ability to connect with people on Twitter is amazing. Like you could find people that are your hero or the the absolute expert in your field, and you got mm-hmm. potentially two hundred and eighty characters to wow them enough to start up a conversation and take that off channel. So I, I'm going to say Twitter for now, that I still think there's a lot of magic in it. Wow. That, I would not have expected that. I figured you'd say LinkedIn. So I, I'm, I I'm, like LinkedIn. Um, I have mm-hmm. a lot of issues with LinkedIn. I think it's been neglected in a lot of ways, uh, technologically, uh, mm-hmm. uh, well before the Microsoft purchase. So like, while I think it's still the best um, for just pure B2B, it, Mm-hmm. It's not it's not doing a lot to push it forward. And plus that breach really made a lot of people mad. Uh, nearly yeah. 92% of contacts have been leaked out. So we're all going to get a lot of spam. We're all going to probably want to sign Already up for some it. credit monitoring stuff. <laughs> Already getting it. Now, one thing I also heard was you were doing something, you, you were baking. So are you a closet baker? Closet baker. Closet Martha um, Stewart. <laughs> uh, I do fun stuff with the kids. And so he called it the naked baker. Um, not actually naked. I'll put that out there. I would hope not. No. And so <laughs> we just did funny things like a uh, angry man's meatloaf. Just, you know, have, have an, I think she was nine at the time, just punching some ground beef. Just, stupid, oh, just having fun. 
my sister is a oh. is a very very good baker uh, knickknacks bakeology uh, but you know no i i'm very amateur Oh, I don't know about that because I was looking at your alcoholic cookie things. You were doing that, like three different kinds of alcohol in a cookie. I thought, man, that's that's like a pot brownie. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the neighbors. So you know, you got to impress them each year. So you got oh, to step it up. <laughs> and then you love you a good burger, right? I do. All right. So where's the best burger? Uh, so the best burger. I I'm a big fan of a place near in here. I think it's now becoming a chain. It's called cold beers and cheeseburgers. And they do something called the O-Lineman, which is a uh, ground beef and it's injected with pepper Jack. No, and the buns are actually grilled cheese sandwiches. No, so it's a ridiculously caloric heart attack. Thing. on. Like, yeah. I can have like one every six to nine months. Ah, uh, that does sound really good. I love me some food. <laughs> okay. So, now the thing I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the ocean personality test. Are you? Nope. Okay. Well, it finds out a little bit more about you, what moves you. And it's six really quick questions. And it's not like the disc profile. It's not that, uh, you know, specific, but you just answer low, medium, or high. Are you willing to do it? And that way people that are listening that want to work with you know how to work with you better. Interesting. Sure. You ready? Yeah. Okay. Openness. If you are high in openness, you love trying new things and having new experiences. Low, medium, or high? Medium. Conscientiousness. What is your level when when you high approach high. organization and details? I bet you're very high. High. Very high, yeah, being a programmer. Extroversion. If you're an extrovert, you can thrive around people. You can't get enough human interaction. Medium medium so you have you got to have your private time your alone time. agreeableness if you rate high in agreeableness you are likely a friendly and compassionate people pleaser low <laughs> i don't know uh, medium probably Dep- depends funny. who you talk to <laughs> i love the, the action i wish people could see him he sat back and crossed his arms like a bratty child saying no daddy not going um, neuroticism. Neurotic isn't a bad thing. It just means you worry, you have anxiety. Maybe you have high stress levels and high. you're high, high oh, yeah. neurotic. Well, that's it. So that's kind of interesting. You'll, I'll send you the uh, transcript on this. So you'll have that for yourself as that's well. That's intriguing. I'll have to look into this a little bit deeper. Yeah, it's, it's neat. Um, I follow a ton of influencers. Um, I want to be a real influencer one day, but I love uh, Vanessa Van Edwards with the science of people. And look her up. She's awesome. And you can just watch videos all day long. Their, her book, Captivate, is really, really good, too. So I just love her. So um, your website is intellifluence.com, I-N-T-E-L-L-I-F-L-U-E-N-C-E. Nailed and it. I, yeah, I'm, I'm reading it, so <laughs> I'm not that good. <laughs> but um, so if someone wants to get in touch with you, they want to be part of this or they want to book somebody who's really big because you broker people too, right? Mm-hmm. So if mm-hmm. I wanted more Arnold Schwarzenegger to come to my party, could you find him? I mean, is that that'd be anything that you would do? That, that, that'd be a trickier one. Like if they're a mega celebrity, I mean, what I could probably do. Uh, you could always go to like appointments.intelephones.com and we'll try our best. But for someone like that, I would probably connect you with whomever their agent is. Because at that level, 
a lot of the the mega celebrities, they don't want to interact with networks. They want to kind of keep themselves siloed. I totally get it because there's a big uh, attention drain that goes on. So from there, if they're mega, you could generally even find out just doing some quick research on who is their agent of record in this ping them. That'll probably be quicker. But uh, if you want to start with us, that's totally fine. Appointments.intelfluence.com. And we'll, we'll try to hook you up. Now, with some of the influencers that you have, who has the most followers? Ooh, that's a good question. I have it. I have it pulled up. Let me see if I'm still authenticated in my own system. <laughs> I was trying to ask questions you have not been asked before. So Pedro Figuera looks like he's the biggest right now. He's got 23 million. He's primarily, looks like 10 million YouTube, 7 million TikTok, 6 million Instagram, wow. probably smattering elsewhere. So like we probably have... Now is he part of your group? Is he part of IntelliInfluence? Uh, he, he signed Intelli- up for it, yes. Oh, that is so cool. Yeah, that so is we, a we lot probably have a couple, hundred, a couple hundred that are over a million. And then we probably have triple really? that that are like a million to a hundred thousand. Yeah. So it's, if you think of like a, a typical a pyramid distribution, 80, 20, it's, there's, mm-hmm. I think our reach is like three and a half billion now. Obviously we're, we haven't deduped or anything because that'd be damn near impossible. But, you know, it's, it's really set up where there's a lot of big people and there's a ton of medium and, and small people. So there's a little bit for everyone. So if I was someone and I came to you and I wanted one of the biggest people, how does that work? Uh, it's it's pretty simple. Uh, once they're authenticated, um, we have an enviewer, uh, influencer list. So they could filter on categories or uh, specialties on keyword, geography, whatever they need to do. And then they could just click and then send them a pitch. And it, we, we try to keep it as simple as possible. Okay. But it's up to the influencer on whether or not they take it. It's yes, not like exactly. you're... You're not calling him up and saying, hey, Bob, this lady over here. No, no, generally not. So uh, so it is it's software as a service. We just try to make it so that, you know, the influencers see the pitches that they want to see and the brands interact with the influencers they want to interact with. If there's something where it's an incredible deal and I have a close relationship with the brand, um, we might reach out additional to that influencer and say, hey, this is this is something special. You should, might look into it a little bit outside the normal channel. But for the most part, almost everything is done within the platform uh, without much incidence. Now, that means you're rubbing shoulders with some pretty important people. That's exciting. I don't know about that. I mean, we just, I, I, I really try not to differentiate. And it's really hard because we have to kind of hammer our own philosophy multiple times. We say that there's three users in the system. There's the brands, there's the influencers, and there's us. We have to treat everyone as fairly as possible in any sort of situation. So we can never preference ourselves over the influencer or the brand can never preference the brand over us and the influencer sort of like always trying to keep a balance because of that Mm -hmm. we don't really get carried away with how big the brand is or how small the influencer is we just try to just try to you know view it in that context because we feel you know the time horizon a decade out will have made the right decision that's great so if I really love the philosophy of that because I call that living your brand values, living your brand style. So you have values within yourself and you make sure that it comes through in everything, every part of your brand. And I think that's very key to having a successful brand. So I love that you're doing that. Um, if you were to give, I'm going to ask you one more main, main question and then we'll figure out how people can get in touch with you. But what advice would you give to anyone who wants to be an influencer? Just start. I mean, that, that's the biggest stuff, um, you know, get started, you know, don't, don't put too much time and thought into uh, which, which channel. Well, you, yeah, I'll back up a little bit. You know, you, you do have to pick a channel that you're going to be interested in. 
and just start putting stuff out there. But then once you get a feeling of what you like, then hyper-specialize because that hyper-specialization, whatever content channel that is, maybe it's doing videos on a particular subject. Maybe it's doing still photography. Maybe it's writing, whatever it is, hyper-specialize. Then from there, you'll start to, to have brands pitch you. Interact with the community. You know, there's going to be a lot of other experts in your field. Help them because collaborations are a very real thing. You, you helping out, you know, the Rebecca getting going, that might come back at some point. Don't expect it to. It just might. And so these little viral loops happen where you can grow your authority over time and just you'll have more fun that way, too. All right. I lied. I'm going to ask you one more question. Sure. <laughs> um, when I was filling out my little form because mm-hmm. I wanted to be an influencer with you, I want to try this out, see how great it is. Um, I did have a question when it came to the, the things that interested you. Do you put in what you're good at or do you put in the kind of stuff you want to have thrown at you as a deal? Yeah, that, that is the age old question. The, the advice I try to tell people is to view any sort of influencer profile, whether us or any other network, as a mashup between your resume and a dating profile. What do you like to do? What have you done? How, how do people get in contact with you? How's the best way to work with you? Um, that will ultimately probably weave uh, the, the best successful route. Okay. I was, I was really impressed with how everything flowed together. It was very well done. So thank you so much. Thank you. So for those that are listening, how do they, what do you want them to do next? Sure. So I mean, if, if you want to reach out to me, uh, I am pretty active on LinkedIn, uh, Joe Sinkwitz, you'll find me. Um, if you have an email you need to send me, I'm Joe at Intellifluence.com. I, I read all my emails personally. Uh, again, if, if you need an appointment, just look at a walk through the software. Uh, you'll be able to find it on the site, but otherwise you can go to appointments.intellifluence.com and, and we can help you out that way. Well, thank you so much. You've been a lot of fun. I've learned a lot of fun things and I think we're all going to be better for it. I love people like you that are changing the world. So well, thank that's you for great. being so well researched. <laughs> well, I hope you felt that way. I hope I asked some questions nobody else ever has you make it more interesting did. for you. Hopefully I didn't make you feel weird. Anyway, thank you everyone for listening and thank you to Joe Sinkwitz of Intellifluence.com and we'll see you next time on the stories behind our success. Thank you so much for being a part of the story behind our success. If you are a successful six-figure entrepreneur or an inspirational speaker who would like to be on this program, please visit neonlizardcreative.com slash podcast slash apply. If we're inspired by this interview, we would be honored if you would share it on social media and even rate it. Your thumbs up rating goes a long way to promote the show. And if you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them, let them know. Hashtag story behind our success. And don't forget, opt in on the website so you don't miss an episode. We have some fantastic guests on the docket. And if you want to know more, check out neonlizardcreative.com. See you next time.